0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Um, uh, great. So, in World War I... Okay, before mandatory service, the British army uh, was made up of people who volunteered to go to war against the German Empire. And to encourage the recruitment of ordinary young men, Field Marshal Lord Kitchener, the head of the British army, put out a poster which has become very famous, calling young men to volunteer and to lay down their lives. And women too, in different capacities, with the slogan, your king and country need you. And uh, you may recognize it, there it is. And around the same time, a man called Paul Ruben wrote a song, uh, basically with the same emphasis and the same title, and the first, verses, the first verse goes like this. We've watched you play cricket and every kind of game. At football, golf, and polo, you men have made your name. But now your country calls you to play your part in war. No matter what befalls you, we shall love you all the more. So come and join the forces as your fathers did before. So you may be wondering, why am I talking about this? Well, we have been in this series called Discipleship to Leadership, and we've been unpacking what it means for us to go on the journey of learning how we become and grow as followers of Jesus. And on that journey of growth, uh, we've talked about five words, well, actually four words, uh, beginning with D, and I'm going to do the final one today. Okay, can anyone remember what the five Ds are? Some scared faces. The first one, can anyone remember? Go for it. Discover. Yes. Well done. Deliver. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> Don't read the the It's going to come up in a second. Don't put it up yet. Yeah. Anyone else? Devote. I heard devote. I'm going to claim that. What did Ollie talk about? Yes. Okay. Right. So at Grow Group this week, we did a bit of a recap with actions to help us to remember the five D's of discipleship. I'm going to speak on the last one today. Okay. So the first one is discover. Can we do this together? Come on. Yeah. Every hand up. Come on. Okay. Thank you, Jason. Okay. Discover. It's all about how do we discover who Jesus is? Okay. Deliver. I know. I wasn't sure about it, but the grow group said it was fine. Okay. Any midwives in the house? I'm so sorry. Okay. Deliver. How do we become children of God and born into his family? Okay. Then we looked at devote. Devote. Yeah. How do we learn to follow Jesus in the way that he asks us to? And then develop. How do we develop as followers of Jesus and make a difference in the world? And finally, deploy. Yeah, some of you guessed that. Okay, so do you reckon we could do that? Okay, discover. Oh, wait, what's the next one? Deliver. (laughs) Devote. Develop. Deploy. Amazing. Give yourselves a big round of applause. Okay, so the word deploy means to use something or someone in an effective way, to move soldiers or equipment to a place where they can be used when they are needed. Jesus is calling every single person into effective service for the kingdom of God. If you're a Christian today, the kingdom of God is your new country. It says in the Bible that we are citizens of heaven. That's if we had a passport, it would say citizen of heaven on it. Okay? Doesn't worry about Brexit. You're a citizen of heaven. And really, it's this. Your king and your country want you. We are in a war, not against people, but against the forces of darkness and evil in this world that affects every single person. Two weeks ago, one of my best friends tried to commit suicide, and he failed. And I thank God for that, because God has given him another chance. This is real, guys. And just as God has used generations of men and women before us to bring hope to a hopeless world, the hope that is found in Jesus Christ, he wants to use every single person in this room. Every single person. And so that's basically the message today. God wants to use you. Okay, so turn to the person next to you and say, did you know God wants to use me? (laughs) All right, don't do it awkwardly. Okay, there was like half commitment there, own it. Say it, God wants to use me. Huh. Okay, great. So today, today, we're going to look at the story of a man called Anesimus in the New Testament. And he has an amazing story. And I think there's so much that we can learn from what God did in his life um, about how he wants to deploy us in the world. Now, we find out about him in a letter to a man, that a man called Paul wrote to Philemon. Philemon was a wealthy man who lived in a Turkish town called Colosse. Now, 60 years AD... Paul was in prison in Ephesus, which is a Turkish town about 200 kilometers away from Colossae, for preaching the gospel of Jesus. And while he was there, he wrote letters to the churches that he obviously couldn't be with in person. And so we still have them in our New Testament today. They're the letters to the Ephesians, the Colossians, and to Philemon. Now, the letter to Philemon isn't like the other ones. It's really unique because it's not written to a church. It's written to a person. A wealthy man that Paul had led to faith in Jesus some years before. So let's take a look and find out what's going on. So it's going to come up on the screens. Uh, and uh, it's actually only got... It's only really short. It's like one page on my Bible. So there's no chapters. It's just, just verses. Okay. So it says this. Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear brother and fellow worker, also to Aphia, uh, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so far so good. Before I read the next section, I want to just explain a couple of things that will help us to understand what's going on. The culture at the time meant that nearly every household would have had slaves it's estimated that up to 60 million people, around 40% of the population of the Roman Empire, were in some form of slavery at the time. Now, this would cover everything from hard manual labour to actually skilled positions of work and employment where the conditions would be great. But under Roman law, a slave had no rights at all. They could be treated, they were considered property of the owner and could be treated any way that they wanted. And if a slave was to run away... Then they would be branded with the letter F on their body, on their forehead, or on their arms, which is, uh, meant that they were fugitive. And the Roman word, the Latin word, is fugitivus. And the likely outcome of that would be that they would be executed. Now, Paul isn't going to attack the institution of slavery directly in this letter because he didn't want to start a revolution. But through his letter and what he writes, he begins the process of subverting it, and actually had a massive influence and inspired cultural reformers ever since, and right up to the present day, because it's still an issue. Okay, so that's a little context. Coming down to verse 8, he says this, Therefore, in Christ, I I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, quite strong words, yet I, appear, I, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Anesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him who is my very heart back to you. Okay, so while Paul is in prison, one of Philemon's slaves, Onesimus, has run away and somehow ended up in Ephesus with Paul. Now, we don't really know whether Paul, Onesimus uh, went to seek him out deliberately or if they just happened to meet, but either way, it's an amazing God coincidence. We find out a bit later on in the letter that the reason that Onesimus has run away is because he's wronged Philemon in some way and he's stolen from him, and so he's had to leg it. So now he's a fugitive. But while Onesimus was Paul, something amazing has happened. He's become a follower of Jesus. He's become a disciple. Now, a, a bit of Bible humour, okay? you ready for this. All the best jokes need explaining. Here it comes. Did Onesimus' name means useful, okay? So did you see the pun in verse 10 with what Paul does with that, okay? It's glorious. He says, formerly he was useless to you but now he's become useful to you and to me. Onesimus before may have been no use to Philemon, but since he has come to faith in Jesus, God has started using him in an amazing ways. He has been a great help to Paul in his ministry, advancing the gospel of Jesus while Paul has been in prison. But Paul knew that God had got so much more for Onesimus to do, and that meant him going back to his master Philemon and Colossae to be reconciled to him and to work alongside him for the sake of the gospel. Now, they didn't have royal mail then, so in the ancient world, if you wanted to send a letter, you had to send a courier. And so when Paul's writing these letters in prison to the Colossians, to the Ephesians, and to Philemon, he's got to find someone to send. And in Colossians, we find out on that particular trip who he sends. It says this, verse 7 and 9, Tychicus will tell you the news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord, and he's coming with Onesimus our dear and faithful brother, who is one of you, they will tell you everything that has happened here. So Paul sends Onesimus with Tychicus, man, it is like lots of Greek names today, uh, to the churches that have been planted in Ephesus and Colossae, and also sends him back to where he's run away from, from his master Philemon. So I want you to imagine yourself, if you can, in Onesimus' shoes. Imagine you've stolen from your master And the potential consequences of that are so bad that the only option that you've got is to run away. And now that you've come to faith in Jesus and found a mentor in Paul, he's now sending you back. Without any idea of what's going to happen. How would you be feeling? A little bit scared? Yeah? Great. I think you probably would be. Okay, so, but this whole letter that Paul's writing to Philemon is saying to welcome... Onesimus' home, but not as a slave, but as a brother and as a free man. And Paul finishes, I love it, Paul finishes his letter saying to Philemon, confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you'll do even more than I ask. And then he writes, prepare a room for me when I come and visit. And I absolutely love that because he's like saying, like, I know you're going to do the right thing and I'm so confident you're going to do the right thing that I'm going to come and stay with you to make sure you've done the right thing. <laughs> okay, so then it's like cliffhanger. It's like, you've got to the end of your series on Netflix, and it's like, well, what happens next? Okay, because we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. But history does. And this is amazing. Paul was later martyred in Rome, and his young disciple, uh, Timothy, became the bishop of the church in Ephesus after him. And two weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago, Ollie preached on how Paul had charged Timothy to raise up and develop other leaders who, uh, who would be reliable and continue on the work And after Timothy, the bishop in Ephesus was, it was Onesimus. And our history shows us that Onesimus preached the gospel across Greece and Asia for many years before leading the church in Ephesus and Byzantium. And in 109 AD, he ended up being martyred during the persecutions of Tertullus and under the reign of Trajan. And the Greek Orthodox Church honor him as Apostle Onesimus, the Greek word apostle meaning sent one. And so the question is, what does this have to do with us today? Now, this whole, this whole series, what we've been looking at, is how do we, as followers of Jesus, become disciples that make disciples? And as we've used this sort of term before, that a disciple is someone who's become captivated by the person of Jesus Christ and is learning in humble obedience and with a lot of grace to follow Jesus in the way that he asks us. And, um, and the final step as you know, is that he wants us to be deployed. Because this movement that Jesus has started, it doesn't end with us, it starts with us. When Jesus gathered disciples together after his death and resurrection in Matthew 28, he said to them, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. God wants to use us, every single one of us, and bring us into effective action in the kingdom of God. He wants to use us to help people discover Jesus to hear the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done for the whole of humanity. He wants to use us to help people make decisions to say yes to following him. He wants to use us to help people become devoted followers of Jesus and share the things that we've learned about following him with others so that they can too. He wants to use us to raise up and develop others so that they can go and have an impact. And finally, he wants us to send them out to send up, raise up others and send them out so they can take the Jesus mission to the whole four four corners of the, of the globe. Amen? Amen? Great. Okay, so God wants to use you. Now, there's three things I love about Onesimus, the Onesimus story that I think will be really helpful for us. Okay, and the first is this. Your past does not determine your future in God. Your past does not determine your future in God. Anesimus, he was a slave and he was a thief. That's who he was. And by Roman law, the only thing that he was good for was to be executed, thrown away and forgotten about. Useless. But that was his past. When Anesimus gave his life to Jesus, when he accepted what Jesus had done for him on the cross, he was forgiven for everything that he did and he became a new man. And he became a free man. And God had a new life for him. God could use him. And maybe there are some of you here today, for one reason or another, are going, yeah, but because of this, God can't use me. Because of this thing that I struggle with, because of this thing that I did, or this thing that happened in my past, God can't use me. Your past does not determine the future that you can have in God. You are free. If you've received what Jesus has done for you on the cross, it has been dealt with. You are a free person. You are a new person, free to live the life that God has got for you so do you remember at the start of this series what story we looked at the prodigal son yes um, when the son when Jesus tells the story of this prodigal son he tells it about a boy who blows his father's inheritance and he goes away on fast and wild living and when he comes back he's faced with the potential consequences of what he's done they're bringing shame on the family. And he doesn't know what's going to happen. But when the father sees him, he welcomes him home and forgives him and, 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 and just throws a massive party for him. But it doesn't stop there. It starts there for him. Because the father gives him a robe, a ring, and sandals. And the robe would represent belonging. And it's the same for us. That we've said yes to Jesus. We've received belonging into the family of God. We belong to him and to each other. He received a ring, and this ring was about authority. It was permission to do the Father's business, to represent God. And sandals that He gives us places to go, things to do. He has business. For, he has His business for us to attend to. Our past does not determine our future in God. There is no limit on how could God, how God could use every single person in this room for His glory, to build His kingdom on earth. Amen. Great. Okay. So this brings me on to my next point which is this, or question I suppose, is what if what if the scariest place for God to send us is actually exactly where he can use us most? Now, Anesimus, he was sent back to the place that he'd been running away from, his own people. And I think that actually, as I've reflected on this, I think that the scariest place for us to be used by God, to be deployed, brought into effective action, to live out our new lives as followers of Jesus is not in some faraway country with some people that we don't know or have never met us before. But actually, it's with the people who know us best and have seen us at our worst. Yeah? And it's like it's like our friends. It's like our families, our colleagues, who know what we're really like. The sorts of people that be like, did you hear who became a Christian? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, who does he think he is? It's like, but yeah, but what if like Onesimus, God wants to send us to those very people? What if that's the place that God could use you most? What if it actually all starts there? The plans and the purpose that God has got for you, but this time with a new identity, a new belonging as a child of God, with a new authority to represent him, and a new purpose to help other people become followers of Jesus. How would that change how you see your job, or your family, or your friendship groups, if you see it as you being sent there with a purpose, sent there by God, So I guess the question is also then, what holds us back? And to be honest, it's like it's scary and it's like really uncomfortable, and we don't know what's going to happen. For me, when I when I first uh, started following Jesus as an adult, I was scared of people finding out because I think I was worried that they would all think that I was some like self-righteous, Bible-bashing, teetotal, boring person. And I worked in sales, and that wasn't going to be a good image for me. So I was really worried about that. And I was like, also, like, what if I tell them that I've become a Christian, and then I have to see them every single day for an indefinite period of time? Like, I can't just like run away from that. I've got to keep walking this out. And and basically, I was like, I, want to, I kind of wanted to hide in plain sight, you know, like be there but not really there, but not really be the man that God had made me to be. And now, eventually, I did start talking to people about what Jesus had done for me because He is amazing, <laughs> and I love Him, but. I was still scared and he was ch- making changes in me and people were starting to ask like why why things were changing. So I started talking to people and I started to see how God was using me and that was awesome. But anyway, enough about me. I'd like to invite Luke to come up. Yeah, yeah let's give him a big welcome. Okay. So I want us to think in very broad terms about the kinds of places and situations that God wants to send us to because he's got a purpose for us in those places. Okay, so Luke. You're on mute. Hello. Hey, mate. Okay, so Luke. uh, What was the situation that you were facing? What was going on?
1: Okay, so if anyone knows me, I've got, my, I, I've just said this in my head and it sounds like I'm bragging now, but I've got a, quite a large friendship circle. I've got a lot of friends. It is bragging. <laughs> um, and a lot of these friends have started getting married. So I've been on many, 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 many stag do's. And so my one of my really good friends I've known since I was about f- four or five, um, he's his his getting married in August and it came to his stag do and I was like, I said to Laura... I said to God, I've had enough of stag dues I've, I've, I have I've, just. can't be bothered going on anymore because of the situations and it's just a dark, dark, dark place. So it was a,
0: a stag do. Okay, so you weren't looking forward to it and you didn't want to go. No. What, what did you do? What, what happened?
1: Well, it was, a, it was a good idea, but I actually prayed about it. Right. I was like, God, I've been on many stag dues I hate them, I can't be doing with them. But should I go? And it was a really clear, yes, I should go. And I was absolutely gutted because I really didn't want to go. I, I so, like. If you ask Laura, I like to be in bed by 10 o'clock on a Friday night or like we did last night watching Eurovision and <laughs> staying in. realise I've missed Eurovision. <laughs> Spoilers. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, but Luke, so, um, okay, so then, so what... So you felt God saying to go. Yes. Yeah. What difference did that make as you came to the weekend? So,
1: uh, Tim's my mentor. So we, um, before I went, we, um, we got together and prayed about going. And but the difference it made to me was knowing that it was such a clear yes from God, I stepped into that place, stepped into that situation, knowing God was going to do something, knowing that he was going to use me. So the whole uh, of the stag do, I was expecting of God to move. And so something did happen. What happened? So on the... So it was Thursday to Monday. It was a long stag do, so that's why I really didn't want to go. Um, But on the Saturday, my friend, so it was in France, and we were quite near Calais, and he took his passport out because he's... On a night out. Yeah, he's not that smart. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But, um, and he lost it. He lost his passport. He woke up the next day having been really drunk, and he was like, I can't find my passport. And I was like, this is it. This is my moment. This is why God wants me to be here. So we were all playing cricket. There was 26 lads out in this in this front garden playing cricket. And I said, "Bano, I will pray and your passport will turn up. And he stopped the whole cricket game and it was like, everyone, Luke's going to pray and my passport's going to turn up. And everyone just burst out laughing. Just, it was, it was really embarrassing. But, um, and I know there's 50 seconds left, but... Um, it was the week before Easter, and it really God spoke to me so clear in that moment of how um, the soldiers and the people had mocked Jesus on the cross, but yet Jesus was about to do something amazing for them, and yet here they were, my friend Tom, mocking Jesus, mocking God, but yet he was about to do something amazing, and then something amazing happened. The passport showed up, and it was it was an absolute miracle. But the story doesn't stop there, Tim.
0: It doesn't. What happened?
1: So, because he'd been because he'd been in Calais, um, near Calais, he was really concerned that someone had stolen the passport and therefore was going to try and get over the border into England. So he rang the border, con- um, the people, whoever it were, passport police, and um, he said. Um, well basically got his passport cancelled so he couldn't so even his passport turned up he couldn't then cross the border because it had been cancelled and he would have had to go from where we were all the way to Paris and then get a flight and it would have cost him lots of money um, so then I said right we'll pray again so we prayed and on the way to the to the past uh, to the to, Cal- uh, to Calais to cross into England he um, he even said oh I, I was that desperate I prayed to Jesus and he scanned his passport and he just walked on through and it was and Calais it must be like the hardest border control to get through in the world because of of the issues that's going on there so it was just I was really not looking forward to the whole trip Especially the car journey back—it was about ten hours—and all the way home, I drove down in my car, uh, drove home in my car, just like yes, God is so good, and it, so you know, good. it was
0: great. Oh, amazing, Luke! Thank awesome. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story; it's so good. So, I guess the question is for us: is like, what would it look like for us to see the places that God has put us in and sent us to, as places where God has purpose, where we can come with expectancy because. God wants to move in every one of those situations. How would that change how we see them? Okay, final point. Final thing. One of the most dangerous and powerful prayers you can pray is, God, use me. Because he will. Because he isn't looking for people who are able, who have got it all worked out and got it all together. He's looking for people who are available. Who say, God, I'm I'm here. Use me. And Esimus is like the least likely person to become the man that he eventually did become, having a massive influence from the kingdom of God over a whole huge area of Greece and Turkey. He was a thieving runaway slave, but he was available. And God wants to use us to tell others about what he's done for us. And if, he's, if you've accepted that, you can already start. And we know in this series, we've looked at loads of different ways we can do that. Because God doesn't just want us to be discovered or delivered or devoted or developed, but he wants us deployed into effective action into the kingdom of God. Are you available? So the night that Jesus was raised the night after Jesus was raised from the dead, all his disciples were gathered together, and they were afraid, and the doors were bolted, and Jesus just walked right on in through the locked doors. And he says, peace be with you. And he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And he breathed on them. it says He breathed the Holy Spirit on them. And we see what happens later on when the Spirit comes in power on this group of people who say yes to Jesus. They turn the world upside down. It's amazing. And Anesimus responded to that call. He didn't know where it would lead him. He didn't know what was going to happen. But he ended up having a huge influence for the kingdom of God. And that's amazing. And it's the same for people throughout history, in every generation. Your king and your country want you. So, as I finish now, what could it look like if we were fully available to God? What difference could we see happen in our families? What difference could we see in our friendship groups? What kind of impact could we have on this city? What kind of impact could we have on our generation what, what, what if we as a church said, God, use us? What kind of impact do you think we could have in this university campus to spring the, the light of Jesus, the hope of Jesus in this dark world? So my question is, will you make this your prayer? God, use me. Um, can I invite the band to come up, please? And basically, we, we, we want to make space now to pray. And um, what we're going to do is we would love to pray with anyone at all who wants to say, God, use me. And um, uh, anyone who wants to be deployed and say, I want to be fully effective and activated as an agent of the kingdom of God, wherever I am. I want to be a disciple that makes disciples. I want to be a part of that Jesus mission. Now... And, and it's like, whatever that looks like for you, whatever situations and context you find yourself in. Now, uh, what we'd like to do in a moment is to invite you all to come, well, you're all invited to come forward. It's up to you to decide if you want to. And we're going to have a few people up here that want to pray, are going to pray with you and anoint you with oil, just with a little bit of oil on the forehead, okay? And in the Bible, anointing of oil, it's a sign of commissioning of, of kings and people into all kinds of different situations. And it's a sign You know, when we're doing this, it's like saying a sign of saying, God, I want to be set apart for you. I want to be used by you. Whatever it looks like, wherever it's going to take me, whatever you've got for me, I want to be used by you. I want to be a part of seeing your kingdom come in my life. I want to make a difference in my generation. I want my life to count for the kingdom. It's not about earning anything. It's not about proving anything. But it's saying, God, having received your love, I want you to use me. I want to be useful to you. So, um... I've asked a few people if they would uh, pray. So if you could just come up. And the band are going to play uh, and just, uh, yeah, the band are going to play. And what I love is we're just going to make space for you to come forward and to pray. And what they'll do is they'll just put a little mark on your forehead. It's not going to be loads and loads. I'm just going to pray for you that God would give you his power. And then we talked about things like fears and things that we might be afraid of. But that God would give you the power to overcome those fears And that he would propel you into the fullness of everything that he's got for you in his kingdom. Okay? So why don't we just take a moment and close our eyes. And just think about where has God sent you? Where has God sent you? Think about workplaces. Maybe Hindus that are coming up. Uh, Where are those opportunities? Where are those spaces? And just... And bring them before God. And say, God, use me. Use me. I want to see your kingdom come. And your will be done in these situations. In the lives of my friends and my family. Whatever those situations, whatever those places are. And then whenever you're ready. Ready. Feel free to come forward and we're going to pray for you. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.